Hello and welcome to the Department 12 podcast, an IO Psych podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina, and I am joined in this episode by Dr. Patricia Grabarek. Did I get your name right, Patricia? You did. You got it. All right. One point right out of the gate. And Dr. <laughs> Katina Sawyer. How are you doing tonight, Katina? Doing great. And you got my name right, too. So that's two points right out of the gate. Awesome. All right. I'm feeling <laughs> good about this. So Patricia currently works as a senior behavioral scientist uh, for in for talent science. Uh, she's also teaching organizational psychology at the University of Southern California. And Katina is an assistant professor of management at George Wa- at the George Washington University. I never put the the on the way I should <laughs> in the School of Business. Uh, they have multiple areas of, of research, and I encourage you to go to their website to learn more about them. And what is their website? Their website is Worker Being, which is an online resource for employee wellness and well-being. It's a website, it's a blog, it's a podcast. I'm going to put links to all of those resources in our show notes. And I highly encourage anyone who listens to this show to please do check out their podcast. Uh, Their most recent episode, very good on grief uh, in the workplace. Uh, But they've had episodes on, you know, being single in the workplace, remote teams, uh, not being a morning person. Hmm, that sounds like me. (laughs) (laughs) Myth of millennial burnout and so on. So I think it's really great to have... Uh, new voices in this area of sort of IO podcasts. Uh, so just, I guess, start by telling us a little bit about worker being and where it came from. Sure. sure. So um, I, uh, I think that the best ideas often come from a couple of friends uh, sharing some drinks and talking about <laughs> what they dream to, uh, to achieve. And so that's kind of what happened with worker being Patricia and I were at a friend's wedding. And I was kind of lamenting um, the fact that I thought there was not enough translation into practice from academic articles. So my job is to, you know, publish and uh, write peer reviewed articles and, um, I was feeling kind of discouraged that there wasn't as much pickup from the practitioner side for reasons that are, you know, very rooted in the way academia is structured um, and also the way like library websites and things are structured, um, that there wasn't enough of an emphasis on actually incentivizing academics to translate this stuff um, and uh, and or for practitioners to be able to go find it. And um, Patricia was kind of lamenting that her clients were coming to her with uh, problems that uh, with the right resources they could more easily solve on their own. And we both uh, realized that the reason we were kind of frustrated with these two things in our jobs was because we really wanted there to be a better way for people to improve their own working lives and their own wellness. And that resource didn't seem to exist uh, in a way that was really good and science-based. So we decided to launch Worker Being in order to remedy that. And I think the big thing is what Katina just said, the fact that there's not a lot of science-based resources out there. There's a lot on wellness. It's very um, trendy right now, I guess, but it's not really based in a lot of real research. And Mm -hmm. so for us, we thought that workplace wellness is a really important topic. People spend so much time at work and they're not really focusing on their well-being. You know, that's, that tends to be something that kind of falls on the wayside when you're really busy with work. Um, and also that, that scientific research is, is where things are lacking. And I think we really wanted to make sure that people saw that there are things that they could do that were based in something real and not just people's anecdotes and feelings about it. So I really admire what you did with this website. And uh, it's one of the reasons I'm encouraging my listeners to, to go check it out because so many of us complain about 
you know, the articles in the popular business press or even in just the popular mainstream press that, you know, they, they talk about this topic because it's a popular topic. People are interested in it. It's not based in science. But instead of just complaining about it, uh, what you did was you said, OK, well, let's give people the science based stuff. but Let's package it in a way that uh, appeals to them in the same way that the mainstream articles do. I mean, when you go to this website and you listen to the podcast, it's, you know, it's, it's obvious that you put care into making it look and feel right. And, and that matters so much. And it's something that I think is, is missed by, by so many of us when we're trying to translate research into something that's accessible to ordinary people. So thank you for doing that. So what I oh, wanted to do you. with this episode was ask you to kind of turn that lens around. Uh, usually you're using IO um, methodology to uh, help the rest of the world improve their uh, employee well-being. I want to ask you to turn it around and help we IOs improve our own well-being. Um, when you think about our jobs, depending on what kind of job you have, maybe you're a consultant, maybe you're an academic, maybe you're a graduate student right now studying IO psychology, but these tend to be fairly intensive and stressful positions to find yourself in. So I'm curious to see what advice you could offer us about taking care of ourselves? That's a great question and something that we still struggle with, of course. You know, we can provide the information and write about it and talk about it on our podcast, but we're definitely still improving um, as we go. I tend to be a person that has a hard time taking breaks, for example. And there's a lot of research that says that you should take breaks during the day and that helps you refocus and become more productive and re-energize and so that you're not as exhausted at the end of the day. And personally, I get in a groove and I forget about taking a break. I forget about eating lunch, all sorts of crazy things like that. So um, one thing for me that has really been um, an effort to try to be better, um, especially based on everything that I'm talking about and preaching, is to take more breaks. So to be more cognizant of the fact that I need to stop and maybe get something to drink or eat and um, take a little bit of a step away from work and creating a schedule for myself so that in my calendar, there are breaks built in so people can't schedule over me. Because for those of you that are in practice, I'm sure that you feel the same way that people just schedule meetings back to back to back, especially if they have access to your calendar, so that I can literally be on the phone for eight hours straight with no time off. And that is obviously unreasonable for a wellness perspective. So I I like what you said there, um, because it it appeals to sort of two different um, facets. One is wellness obviously it's taking care of yourself because the kind of intensity that you're describing you know you, you head for a burnout if you're not taking breaks but the second thing that you mentioned that i think makes a lot of sense and will appeal even if they have a listener out there who's thinking yeah this wellness stuff's all well and good but you know i'm i have this warrior mindset right now uh, and you get this I, I hear this a lot from graduate students i maybe was guilty <laughs> of this as well but there's an almost pride in driving yourself to these unreasonable uh, performance standards and the all-nighters and, and that kind of thing so the other side of this is you're actually going to improve your performance by taking these breaks, right? Definitely. Yes. It's linked to increases in productivity um, and decreases in exhaustion. So the next day you're more likely to be up and running just fine. Um, like you said, preventing burnout. So all those things help you be more productive at work. So it's great from a performance perspective too. So it's really important to not just think about um, for those warriors out there, it's not just about your personal wellness, which you should care about. But if you don't, your performance also suffers if you're extremely exhausted and unable to focus and, you know, facing burnout. 
Yeah, I would agree with that too, because I know when I was in graduate school and still, you know, now like life doesn't slow down um, after it gets different after graduate school, I think, but it doesn't slow down. Um, and and in some instances, it might even speed up. Um, I think the big difference is that you have more autonomy over your outcomes um, when you're no longer a graduate student. But um, But I think one of the things that was really important for me to rethink was, you know, I wasn't taking time to, you know, if I had, if I had a paper that I needed to make progress on, or I, you know, could spend some time reading some extra articles for a project, I would do that at the expense of making sure that I was getting to the gym or uh, ensuring that I was going to eat something. I still don't cook. My husband cooks, but, um, but, you know, ensuring that at least I'm taking the time to sit down and eat something or that I know that I'm going to eat something that's like more nutritious than just whatever I have on hand. And, um, and those two things for me, I actually put on my calendar and I don't schedule over them. Um, and the reason for that is because I just started thinking if they offered me a contract when I took this job that basically said, look, this is your contract. This is how much you're getting paid. And you have to sign on that you're not going to go to the gym. You're not going to eat nutritiously any longer. Um, and you're going to cut out a lot of fun stuff in your life. Like you would never sign that contract, right? Like you'd be like, that's crazy. I'm not signing that. But implicitly, we sign that contract a lot. So what's the difference whether you put it on paper or it's just what you're doing? It's the outcomes the same. So I think I had to really be conscious about I I would not sign this contract. So I'm not going to act like I signed that contract. I'm going to mm-hmm. live the way that I think is more reasonable. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm interested in, you know, in your, in both of yours experience and, and either one of you can answer this or both. What have you found in your research um, that has made the biggest difference in your own life personally? I know, Patricia, you talked about you need to schedule in your breaks. So I'm just kind of digging for more things like that. What are you doing now? that you weren't doing before that you found because of the research that you do? Okay, I'll go. Um, So I think that uh, from an impact perspective, so one of the things that I really found important, I think, um, from the research was thinking more broadly about this idea of impact. And I think that, you know, the, the research is very clear that when you understand your purpose and you understand the impact of the work that you're doing, you're so much more intrinsically motivated to continue to do that work. Mm-hmm. And I, I think sort of two things from the intrinsic motivation literature. One is the impact piece and the purpose piece, but also the celebrating small wins and small pieces, uh, you know, towards your goals. So, um, you know, knowing why you're doing something, I think is really important. That's part of the reason why we started Worker Being because I was starting to question, you know, what is what is the outcome from these articles that I'm publishing? Like, are other academics reading it and using it in their work, but then businesses aren't actually picking up those threads and implementing those practices? If that's the case, then it seems kind of like, I mean, I think theory is great, but it's a little bit of wheel spinning, right? If no one ever uses it. Um, so, you know, the thinking about how do I want to translate what I'm doing into impact? So how can we get this information out? But also, you know, how can you study things or uh, work with clients that you find personally impactful from a from the standpoint of making a difference? And how do you remind yourself of that or take extra steps to make that the case? So, um, you know, I my research is a lot on diversity and inclusion. And so I make a conscious effort to feed back my results into the communities that participated in my studies and give them not just the academic article, but like here are some tips or pointers of what you can do to use the actual results of this in 
increasing your own workplace well-being or advocating for better practices within your organization or educating your manager or coworkers on what best practices might look like. So um, the impact piece and then also the higher up you get in organizations or the more autonomy you have or the more uh, you get promoted into positions of, of senior leadership, the less people celebrate wins for you. So you really have to break down um, the pieces that are getting you to that larger goal or impact um, so that you're taking time to actually celebrate stuff. Like when you get an R&R on a paper, for example, like you're the only person that's going to sit and celebrate that. And so often we get that R&R and we're like, okay, great. Now we have to respond to the comments and like moving on. Like you don't even celebrate the fact that that was a positive, like a positive progress um, towards your goal. So in any event, I think that taking time to really be like, no, you know what? I'm going to even just like take myself out to dinner or like celebrate on the weekend or something. These little things to give yourself a pat on the back and acknowledge that you've made progress can help you keep moving forward toward that bigger purpose that you've, you've been more conscious about. I want to piggyback off of what Katina just said. Um, I was actually thinking about purpose too, especially with worker being, I think it's just so salient that we started this for a purpose and we do feel really passionate about it. So I think it makes the work easier, more enjoyable. If you find a job or a career where you're really feeling passion, but I wanted to add to the piece around, um, celebrating wins because I think there's a lot to be learned in the gratitude literature as well. So especially everything when you look at the positive psychology interventions, there's a lot you can do that's super simple about just thinking about what you're thankful for that happened that week. What are you thankful for? Who are you thankful for? And spending a little bit of time on that gratitude piece, I think really ties in nicely with the the celebration as well. Like you can be grateful that you got an R&R and there's so much research to show how that can actually impact your well-being overall. And I think that has been something that I've really been striving for as well is to think about what I'm grateful for, especially when it's a really crazy week, so much stuff going on. By the time Friday comes around, you just want to like lay there and not do anything. And then I'm like, okay, well, what, but what did I take from this crazy week that I can use in the future? And what did I learn? And what am I grateful for that happened? Even though it's busy, there's a lot of really great things that happened. And you tend to lose that when you're thinking about just how busy you are and wanting to relax. And if you take a second, that helps kind of motivate you and drive you for the next week. Very cool. So I heard some really good practical suggestions. One of them was scheduling breaks into your, your calendar. Another is thinking about your impact and connecting to your intrinsic motivation based on uh, the sort of impact that you want your work to make. And also, uh, you know, connecting with gratitude. So instead of just thinking about, oh, I need a break, thinking about what you're grateful for, whether that's, you know, an R&R on a paper, um, some small win along the way, which very often we don't get celebrated for either because nobody else knows about it or nobody knows wh- what the hell we're talking about uh, in our own personal <laughs> lives. Um, what is it that you found that you have found to be the hardest to implement? So you've seen some research out there, you know, you should be doing it, but you just, you have a really hard time putting it into practice. That's an easy answer for me. I have a hard time taking time for mindfulness. So there's a lot of research on meditation, as I'm sure you know. And while when I do it, I feel really great and I enjoy it in the moment, for whatever reason, it's one of those things that I cannot get into a routine Mm. with. And some weeks I'll be really great and then months will go by when I haven't done anything. So that is a practice that I know has so many positive benefits. And for whatever reason, I just cannot latch on to. Yeah, I would say um, mine is... Although I've been getting a lot better about it, I do go in waves that the thing that and and since I've been putting it on my calendar, 
it's really taking care of the issue. But prior to this, there's something that I said would say is most difficult for me to motivate myself to do is just getting myself into the gym. Like I'm not a person that naturally loves um, to, you know, do intensive cardio and like running and things like that. Just like, it's not super appealing to me. So, um, and for some people, I feel like, you know, people are like, Oh, if you do it for a long time and, and like, you know, get into a routine, it's something that you'll grow to love. Like I have done stints where I've worked out every day for, you know, two years at a time. And at the end of those two years, I feel the same way as I did at the beginning. Like I don't, I, it's not something (laughs) that I love doing, but I know that it's something I need to do to be happy. So, and to be healthy. So it's like, okay, I, I schedule the block and I have to like mentally prepare myself, like leading up to it. Like you're going to this, you're not, not going. And then once I'm there, it's fine. But I definitely have the hardest time I think with um, motivating myself to go run around and, you know, do burpees or whatever. I don't usually feel like doing that. So I uh, can relate to to both of you uh, in the sense that I, I meditate and I also go to the gym and I sort of have waves for each of them where I'm being very consistent and I have waves where I'm slacking off. Um, but it, um, you know, being a part of a meditation group has really helped me with the meditation. But I am, I feel exactly the same way you do, uh, uh, Katina, uh, about the gym. And I'm so glad you said that because I get so tired of hearing people on podcasts or online just repeating this thing that, oh, you know, if you stick with it, you know, you're going to feel energized about it. You're going to be consistent and you're going to feel great. You're going to feel great. Well, I'm the same way. You know, I can work out for years. I don't feel great. I hope that anybody (laughs) listening to this understands you're not necessarily (laughs) going to feel great. There's nothing wrong with you. It doesn't mean you should stop doing it. It's like brushing your teeth. Even if it's not a thrill for you, you should probably do that every day. So that's what I kind of tell myself. Yeah, I think you're totally right. It's interesting because um, we had a guest on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and the episode hasn't aired yet. But um, he was talking about, you know, we talk about intrinsic motivation. And we talk about all these different things as if all day long at your job, you're going to be so motivated to do every task that you have to do. And that's just not the way work works, right? Like there's a bunch of stuff on your job that you might not feel like doing, but you have to do. There's some stuff that you're going to think is really great and energizing, etc. And hopefully you have more of the second category than the first. But the reason that you do things that you don't like all the time or you're not super motivated to is because you are the type of person that prides themselves on doing a good job at your job or being responsible, right? So it's sort of a similar idea that if you can get yourself into the mindset of, I'm a person who's responsible about their health. And so I make these decisions. You don't have to be motivated to so motivated and energized to do every single thing that falls in line with that. You're more motivated by the idea that this is the type of person I am. That's why we get up early and go into work every day, even if we're tired from the night before and you don't just blow it off, not because you really want to get up and go in, but because you're not the type of person who shows, who shows up two hours late for work, you know? Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do is a follow up to this episode and I'll tag uh, your show uh, when I tweet this out is I want to ask the audience um, to sort of carry on this conversation. Specifically, I want to ask uh, IO psychologists, either whether they're academics or practitioners, to offer some advice to IO graduate students. So I want us to sort of look back and say, okay, if I could give myself some advice for whatever it's worth. Here's how you think you should take care of yourself. So, Patricia and Katina, I want to thank you both very, very much for being on the show. I really appreciate uh, your excellent contributions. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us.